important that we honour folks here because commitment's a, a really big deal. And uh, I'm going to talk a, a, a few reasons, about five reasons why I think it's a following, it's important to follow in Jesus, to be committed to a local church. I'm going to give us three reasons why it's uh, for wider cultural reasons. Being in the 21st century UK, it's important um, to commit to church. And then three reasons why it's specific for us here at Life Church Beckles. Reasons why it's important to show the commitment that those folks have shown over many years to establish what we have here today. And it's just a good, I mean, culturally, it's not particularly, we're not particularly good at it, are we? But it's important in the church. The whole passage, there was quite a significant part in there, wasn't there, about honouring parts of the body. And that's a really important aspect of being a church together is honouring uh, one another. And so we wanted to do that this morning. Thank you for being loud and raucous for that purpose. Really appreciate it. Um, so let me go into it. First, we're just going to touch on some following Jesus reasons, as it were. Uh, verse 3 in the passage Andrew read for us talks about commitment being about saying Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, doesn't he? Convicts us of our need for Jesus, the need for his forgiveness of our sin, and we call him Lord. It says that the Spirit is the one that helps us to say Jesus is Lord. Committing to being a part of the body to church is first and foremost a thing about being committed to Jesus as Lord of our lives. The Bible says that we were made for one thing, and it wasn't a thing, it was a, it's a who, not a what. We were made for a person, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, you can't serve two masters. We're to be committed to him first and foremost above everything else. And that passage ends with that famous verse you may have heard, seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be added. Seek first the King Jesus and his kingdom and all things get added. And lots of other things can compete for our commitment in life, can't they? They can, uh, other things might be good, and being committed to Jesus might be involved being committed to them. But they're not first and foremost in our life. First and foremost is Jesus. I've given the example before of marriage. Marriage is important because if we're first committed to Jesus and you're married, then J- Jesus' relationship with the church, he's the bridegroom, and we as the church are the bride. And Jesus lays down his life for his bride and his bride, us, the church, honour what he's done for us. It's a, a picture of what marriage is like. And so marriage is important because first and foremost, Jesus and his relationship to his bride is important. And so it's not that other things in life aren't a priority, but they're a priority because of first our commitment uh, to Jesus and to his mission. In and of themselves, things like marriage aren't the focus, the centre, the overarching priority in life. Peter, one of the disciples, said once, See, Lord Jesus, we've left everything and followed you. We've left everything and followed you. And some, when we commit ourselves to Jesus, some of the things in our life remain, don't they? Um, because, but they take on a renewed importance because of our commitment to the Lord Jesus. And our all-out commitment to him is expressed in commitment in church life, in the church's mission to make disciples of all nations. And it's part of following Jesus, isn't it? Because who was Jesus' primary commitment to in dying on the cross? To glorify the Father and to lay down his life for us, for the church. He demonstrates his commitment to the church by giving up his life and dying on a cross. And so by committing ourselves to church, we follow Jesus in that uh, the second thing is unity. Being part of a local of expression of church 
is for everyone. Because church is a unity of people who are diverse. And you heard all those gifts being read. And that's not forgetting as well our different backgrounds and experiences and personalities and histories uh, and so on. It says in verse 27, have a look at the passage, it says, Now you are the body of Christ. I, it's for you, everyone. This letter was read to the whole church in Corinth. Everyone, you're all a part of it. If, if you're a Christian here today and you have faith in Jesus, you are a part of the body. It's just something that you are. It's part of your identity. In verse 7 it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. As there's gifts to be given to each one of us, every single one of us. It says in verse 11, that they're empowered by the one Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Each of us gets a gift. That means every one of us. Verse 13, for in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Those of us who believed in Jesus and confirmed that in our baptism by going under the water, dying with him, and buried with Christ and raised again with him as we came out of the water, are part of one body together. And so following Jesus intrinsically means you're part of church, just by simply following him. We all have the same father together. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ together. We've all been joined together, brought together by the Lord Jesus, his death on our behalf, all having received forgiveness of sins all having faith in him, all grateful, all family together, living for him, worshipping him, uh, wanting others to know the same. And it says in verse 24, but God has so composed the body, for what reason? Why has he got every one of us into his, gathered us into his family? Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body. That's why commitments is so important. The Lord Jesus has composed the body. Each one of you are here to bring a sense of unity together, being clear about what we're committing to and how we do that, resists division in the church and helps bring unity to it. Uh, here's the third thing. It's not explicit in the passage, but it's, you can infer it from the passage in that bodies do things, don't they? <laughs> it doesn't explicitly say it, but the body is doing things. God is composing the body so the body will achieve something. And it tells us that it's Christ's body that Christ's body has a purpose. We're given gifts to serve because Jesus' body has something to achieve. And in fact, Jesus' ministry, if you read through the Gospels, he makes loads of purpose statements all the time. I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. In Luke 4, he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me because he has anointed me to give, uh, sorry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovering sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim favour, the Lord's favour. And, uh, and then at the end of his life, Jesus says to us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's a purpose statement, isn't it? The reason he's composing the body is so the body will achieve something, the making of disciples of all nations until Jesus one day returns. And so as a commitment is important because we have a shared endeavour we have something that we're looking to achieve together as a body, to make disciples who live as a church family in friendship, learn to be like Jesus and live like him, who love God with worship and service, and who love Beckles and beyond with words, works and wonders. And it saves us from a cultural kind of individualism, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later, because the focus is no longer my mission 
and my ministry as if Jesus only just kind of saved me and then I'm an individual and I live my life with my mission and my ministry, then no, the church has a mission that Jesus has given it, given us. And we uh, contribute towards the ministry and mission of the church. We play our part in it with the gifts that God has given us. Fourth, belonging. Have a look at verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it uh, any less a part of the body. It's about belonging, isn't it? God has composed us, brought us together as a church family uh, so that we have a sense of belonging. Hey, this is my home. This is where I belong. When the earliest Christians committed themselves to Jesus, um, they had this sense of believing allegiance and loyalty to Jesus as king. In fact, if you look at Paul's life, Paul was a zealot beforehand. He was going around killing Christians because of his zeal for the true and living God of Israel. And all that happened when he, ha- when he had that Damascus Road experience was Paul transferred his um, zeal for the Lord God that was being demonstrated in the way that he was persecuting Christians to now the way that he served God's mission in the church. And his zeal for God was now expressed in a new way. And uh, that's uh, primarily his sense of belonging changed. I now have a sense of belonging with this community who called Jesus the Messiah. His sense of belonging changed, and his new life was bound up in this new church community. And we read in Acts about the commitment to the church as being uh, kind of the foundational community of their new life in Jesus, being gathering together in the temple, gathering in one another's homes. Their commitment was expressed by, hey, this is the community I'm now part of. I'm no longer, Paul said, I'm no longer living this life. This is the community I now, and if you, if you remember in Acts, the community were a little bit unsure about receiving him. Wait a minute. This is the guy that was killing us a minute ago. Uh, or at least overseeing it. And now he's wanting to be amongst us. They were a little bit cautious about that. But Paul had a sense of belonging. Now I belong to these people. These are my family. In contrast today, sometimes we can have people describing themselves as Christian, but it's not, only, not uncommon for them to not feel a sense of belonging anywhere. Um, kind of quite a blurry concept of church. I'm kind of part of the global, eternal church of God, but I don't have any concrete way of expressing it in a local church. And if you ask them you know, where they are part of church, where, do they, where are they committed, there kind of might be a little bit of sense of, well, I kind of sometimes, some Sundays I'm, I'm here, some Sundays, just me and the Lord uh, go. That, and actually, it's not what we see in Scripture. There's a sense of concrete belonging to a local expression of church. And that doesn't mean that it's a, you're a with us or against us thing, does it? Just because you join one church doesn't mean you're against another. <laughs> you know, it's all part of the one body. Because the picture here is of the body can be applied in the global church, can't it? in that you've got lots of different families and denominations, and they've all got different strengths, haven't they? They're all playing, in some ways, bringing strength to the whole body. You know, often, I imagine many of us are listening to the teachings of folks from other denominations and other movements to bring strength to ourselves, don't we? And so when we commit to one church, it isn't saying necessarily anything about any others. We can still express some sense of unity with them. And the final 
following Jesus' reason why commitment that many have shown over the years is important is care. Have a look at verse 24. God has so composed the body that the members may have the same care for one another. Verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. It's important for people to find their place in committing to church family because it's how we experience the love, compassion and care of the Lord Jesus. Yeah? You'll have known that from your experience of being in church life, hopefully, that others surround you, they pray for you, they encourage you, they strengthen you in faith when you need it. It's not unusual, though, for, for Christians to feel isolated. Perhaps you're here this morning and you just feel a little bit isolated, a bit on the edge of things. Perhaps not a part of things as as much as you would want to, not benefiting from the love of God through others. But God has composed the body, hasn't he? So that each of us will experience, experience his care. We'll have friends alongside us to suffer with us. We've done some of it this morning. We're honouring those folks who've committed to this church for many years. honouring them, aren't they? And that sense of feeling honoured as part of the history of the church happens when the other parts of the body, who perhaps haven't been here so long, honour them in it. Does that make sense? And we all rejoice together in what they have played a part in establishing. So commitment helps us experience the love, uh, loving care of God. And also elders have a, a role in this, don't they, in caring for the church and providing some protection. There's a kind of a front gate and a back gate as well. There's a lot of teaching in scripture, isn't there, about watching out for false teaching about overseeing the flock, about being aware of uh, wolves, people who might bring division or damage uh, to church. And so having some sort of commitment process, which I'll talk about in a bit, uh, a a way in which people find their way into church family helps us to do that as part of our safeguarding of the church. So there, some, some Jesus, following Jesus reasons why the commitment that many have shown over years is so important. Here's some wider cultural reasons why um, that commitment we've honoured this morning is so important. First, it's this. We live in a consumerist culture. I've talked about this before, how in some cultures you have a preference-based culture and in others you have a commitment-based. We have a preference-based consumerist element to our culture, don't you? If you go to the supermarket, what are you presented with? Depending on which supermarket you go to. There's some supermarkets you can go to. The choice is overwhelming, isn't it? I can get shampoo if I've got frizzy hair, dry hair, long hair, straight hair, no hair. Whatever choice. There's all this choice. I mean, it's simpler when you've got no hair to make the choice. But it's overwhelming, isn't it? And it can be a little bit like that with church. And that sometimes you can be so overwhelmed with the choice, not just of the church to go to. I mean, living in a smaller town, that narrows a little bit. But... You've still got the choice when you get into church. Where am I going to go to house group? Um, Where am I going to serve? What am I going to do? What about the friendships I'm primarily going to make in church family? And sociologists call this choice fatigue. You can get in a place where... you ever had the experience in a supermarket? You look at the range of options and you almost give up hope of even making a decision. And you just wish you were in one of those other supermarkets that only has the choice of this or that. Yeah? Some of you might even shop in those supermarkets for that reason. Praise God. This pastor or that pastor, this one's cheaper. Brilliant. (laughs) Easy. But you can get that kind of choice fatigue 
uh, in church life as well. And so a commitment process for newcomers especially helps with that. But a a consumerist culture can affect us more than we uh, notice or, or, or might admit. But one of our primary questions when we approach church and our commitment to it is, what will I get out of this? How will I benefit? And maybe our approach to Sunday is you come and sit and watch house group meets my needs. I serve because it's what I like to do, etc. And when it doesn't meet my needs, make me happy, fulfill me, I go to a different church and find what I'm looking for there. But the, the language of the New Testament is foreign to all of that, where simply committing yourself to Jesus meant being added to the church, warts and all. There was no, I don't like this one in Jerusalem. <laughs> Peter's preach was great, but this bunch... Mm. Let me go and look elsewhere. At what? There was nothing else. There was just a part of this church. Um, uh, this, there's this great quote by Ravi Zacharias. He says, The nature of love is to honour its commitments and to bind itself. Part of our loving one another is by nature to bind ourselves to each other. That's the nature of love. It's the nature of love in marriage, isn't it? You bind yourself in union to become one. And there's, there's something going on when we love one another in church life. We bind ourselves to one another as one body. And we uh, live out of that unity. He says, if we don't understand this, all we do is transfer a pathetic self-centeredness masquerading as love. Which is stronger than I would have put it, so that's why I quoted him. Uh, the second thing is we live in a cautious culture. It's culturally normal to be sceptical, isn't it? We live in a highly sceptical culture. To be standoffish, watch on critically, be a bit aloof, not care too much, sit on the fence when making decisions. And there's an element as well of mistrust, isn't there? And caution when it comes to commitment to or membership of organisations, institutions, clubs and societies and to those who lead them or in authority. And we can transfer that a little bit into church life as well and bearing in mind as well it's not just a cultural thing going on there's also a personal experience thing isn't there some of us here will have had past experiences of church life where there's genuine hurt and pain from them where our experiences weren't good where we weren't loved where people were just unhelpful maybe said something that was hurtful or painful um And that can sometimes often be our experiences and can make us personally, understandably, cautious about commitment uh, to church life. And the passage talks about, doesn't it, honouring different parts. And so part of the reason for having a commitment process is to honour those people who've had that kind of experience. Give them time to kind of learn who we are as a church, what we're about, what we believe, what it means to commit to us, get to know us as uh, those of us who are elders or... Uh, those of us who are leading in in church life. Because uh, that kind of, um, the commitment needs to be invited, doesn't it, in some ways. Our commitment to people as a church and as elders needs to be invited, doesn't it? It's not a sense in which we want to force ourselves or domineer or um, kind of, um, you know, come in that kind of way to those who have no interest in receiving it. And so it gives a, a moment of clear, explicit agreement where somebody says, no, I want to commit here as part of the church. I receive your um, leadership as, as elders. Um, it helps uh, people to make, them, make us aware of anything that they're carrying from previous experiences of church. You know, sit down with an, an elder or, and someone else 
and talk through uh, what that was like for them and know how we can help them and serve them best as they find their way into a new church and hopefully have a different experience. And it also gives people an opportunity to ask questions. You know, you come into somewhere, you notice things are a bit different or something you're at odds with or got questions about. It gives people a chance to overcome their caution and uh, commit wholeheartedly. And the final one on this one, wider cultural reason, is individualism, which I mentioned already. This can kind of influence us more than we realise or want to admit and be an obstacle to us identifying ourselves as part of a family, as part of a people. Because primarily in our culture, we we understand ourselves individually, don't we? It's me and I, and we kind of understand us in that way. And we tend to think things like, does this church fit my ideal? Will I hear good preaching? Do I like the style of worship? Do ministries... Um, are the ones that I need or the ones that fit my likes. It says this in the passage, verse 14, uh, for the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The the eye can't say to the hand, I've no need of you. We're not just individual Christians, are we? We have a personal relationship with God, although we are that. We're by very nature part of Jesus' body and his people. We can't say or don't say that we don't need other Christians, because we do. We're only one part. We're not the whole ourselves. And then finally, here's some specific Life Church Beckles reasons why um, commitment is important. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, to this month, we had a prophetic word about that described what God had been doing in the church as a stripping back of the building. And people expressed that that felt like that was what had been going on. And that there was a renewing and refreshing of foundations going on to rebuild. And uh, as part of the renewing uh, foundations, we felt it was important to be clear about who we are and what we believe, what we're aiming for, and what commitment to it looks like. And so that's part of the reason that commitment is important here. Uh, Secondly, we really, for everyone to flourish in church life, for every member of the body to feel honoured and valued, for every member of the body to be exercising their gifts in the church that God has given them, you want people to move, don't you, from a sense of attendance to participation. And a commitment process can help people do that, can't it? Because if you think about your journey into church life, for some of you, now we know that that's quite a long time ago. <laughs> that's 30 years ago or plus. But for some of us, it's a bit newer, and maybe you've been to other churches. You go along for a time, don't you? Because perhaps you've looked it up online, or you've heard about it from a friend, and you come and join one of the Sunday mornings. You get a feel for the teaching. Maybe you come back again and get an experience of it over time. You kind of enjoy the worship with the church family that you're visiting and you kind of get to know them as people, you kind of experience their welcome, and so on. You perhaps get an understanding of what they put on for the children, or whatever it might be. At some point, there's a moment where you kind of want to move from, I'm kind of sat here watching what's going on, to I've decided this is where I want to be commit and be part of and belong, and go from just being sat here on Sundays to participating as part of the family. And there's a change, isn't there? And somewhere along the line, that happens. And so what we want to do is bring in a process whereby it helps people to do that. 
uh, whereby they get a chance to say, I want to move beyond just attending Sundays to commit and make Life Church home. Um, and to decide, yes, this is the church family for me. I want to make myself at home here. Or actually, having been through that, it was really helpful, thanks. But I think I'm going to see it if I can find somewhere else to settle in. Which is also perfectly fine, isn't it? We bless people as they do that. And the final thing on this one is clarity. The New Testament churches were a known identifiable family. And I can tell you who's in my family, if you like. You know, I know that Jess is my wife. Sebs and Florence are my children, and I could tell you about my sisters. I won't. Uh, I've got a huge family, so it'll take a very long time. But it would be odd for me to go, oh, who's part of my family? I'm not sure about that. Just uh, give me the next week, and I'll try and have a think about it. It would be an odd thing. And in the same way, the New Testament church families were not a blurry concept. If you, when you read Paul's letters, what does he do as part of his introduction and ending? He names people, doesn't he? You say hi to so-and-so, you know, beloved co-worker. I'm praying for so-and-so. They were so helpful to me. Yeah, and he identifies people, isn't it? Because they were an identifiable, known uh, group of people. They knew they belonged. Uh, Peter tells the elders to oversee. They're expected to oversee the flock. They're expected to know who, the, who it is they're overseeing. Are we caring for this person or are we not caring? That's an important thing uh, to know. And so as part of um, this, we wanted to have an opportunity where we explicitly acknowledge that these folk who've discovered what we're about at Life Church Beckles have decided they want to commit there. There's an explicit moment where we say, hey, these folks are part of our family. They've decided to commit here. And we welcome them in. And we know who's part of church family. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, one of the other things was that some of the feedback we'd had from newcomers was just being a little bit unsure of how to find their way into church life. Um, and so one of the reasons we wanted to put a process in is so that there's a clear sense of, hey, you know, we really love you to be part of us. Come and discover life with us. We'll have an event where we tell you a bit more about us. And there's a moment where they say, yeah, I'm committing. It's a bit like, you know, when you go to an attraction or you walk into a park or a city that's got a tour or something like that, and you see one of those maps of, the, of a, this huge place, and it says, it has a big dot or star, and it says, you are here. Yeah? And the commitment process is a bit like that. It's helping people identify where they are. I'm here, I'm just actually, I'm just looking in at the minute. I'm up for coming along to discover life, because I want to literally discover Life Church Beckles. I want to hear a bit about its history and its beliefs and so on. That's where I am at the minute. And then we'd have something called Commit to Life where you'd sit down with one of us as elders and another person, another leader, so that we can talk things through in more depth. And in that conversation, or in those conversations, plural, get clarity about whether they're committing here. Does that make sense? And that would tell them, you're here. You're at the point where you're committing to us as a church. And then we'd have a Sunday morning where we'd say, hey, we've had a recent Discover Life course. We've been meeting with people who want to commit to us. Just want to say that these people here, or maybe they would stand, I don't know how we'd practically do it, but we'd say, hey, should we welcome these folks? They want to commit to us here at Life Church. Does that make sense? There's that clear moment of clarity, and they know you are here, part of the family, you're part of us. This is home for you. And they can know what to expect from us. Does that make sense? So there, reasons for following Jesus' reasons, some cultural reasons, and some Life Church specific reasons 
why the commitment that people have shown over many years is so important that we have that ongoingly. And so, as I've mentioned, uh, we're, in the future, you'll, you'll see us at some point say, hey, if you're, and you might be here this morning. I know people have been coming recently who are just exploring being part of us. We'll have a time when we'll say, oh, we've got a Discover Life event. We'll eat together, share a bit of the history of the church family, the content that we covered in the Discover Life series about making disciples of Jesus who live, learn, love. We'd cover that. We'd give opportunity for people to ask questions about church life. And then we'd give them the opportunity to explore committing to life off the back of what they heard or to maybe find elsewhere or to just need more time. Um, Any would be fine. Um, And so how do we commit to being part of church? Well, we do what people have been doing here many years, uh, which we talked about during the series. How do you commit to being part of the church? You do life together with the church. And we've got house groups where we live life together as church family. Pray. We've got a week of prayer and fasting coming up, and if you belong to the church, you'll feel a sense of responsibility. Hey, part of the army of God, and we march on our knees. We're praying together into the things that God's doing. We serve together. You find your way of serving within your capacity and within what your life is like and the stage of life that you're at. Does that make sense? And the serving might simply be, I'm here on a Sunday, and I'm welcoming people, and I'm praying for people. Beyond that, I've got little... I'm part of house group. Beyond that, I've got much to give. For some of us, it might be, hey, I've got tons of time. Throw, some, throw loads of stuff on me. I'm ready to carry some things. So we serve. We do life together, pray, serve. We give financially into what we're doing together. We worship together. And we witness together. There's a sense of, hey, we're letting other people know about the love of God for them. And we're wanting people to be saved and added to us as a church family. So, I thought what we'd do to finish is just pray together into that. It's the start of our week of prayer and fasting tomorrow. So, a good way to start that week is to pray. One, to just declare our commitment to the Lord as first and foremost in our life. Secondly, to ask that many others out there, people who are yet to move to Beckles, people who are out in there in Beckles who don't have a church home yet, to, to find their way in, that God would draw many others to us. And third, we want to pray for the mission to make disciples to glorify Jesus to flourish here in Life Church and in Beckles broadly and beyond. Is that all right? So I thought the way we'd do that is that we'd stand together, all pray a hubbub of prayer together at the same time, and then join the band are going to come and lead us in a song of worship. Is that all right? Should we stand together?